0: Welcome, everyone. We're excited to share some country wisdom with you.
1: King Solomon had a thing or two to say about the path to wisdom. In Proverbs 4, he wrote, Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Keep straight the path of your feet and all your ways will be sure.
0: Join us now for country wisdom. To get back. Hey look at that not quite over the fence <laughs> hey Chad good seeing you man good to see you too thanks for thanks. meeting us today and and you said you really wanted to meet us at the ball field because that's where some of your story is and I don't know how much Janice has heard but why don't you just go ahead and start talking
2: <laughs> yeah absolutely I uh, anybody that knows me knows that baseball was a big part of my life it was something that helped me through a lot of difficult times in my life is something that I was very passionate about. To say that I was consumed by it would be an understatement. I identified with baseball. You see, I started up in a very loving family. Started out in life with a Christian family that showed me a lot of good values, and they began to show me the ways of life. And I never thought that there was anything really wrong with me, but the way that they raised me. You see, I was born with something called clito-cranial dysplasia dysostosis.
1: Which I've never heard of. Yeah, no. and
2: there's a lot about it, and I'll just, talk, I'll just say it's easy. C- C- CCD from now on so that you know what I'm talking about. But basically, I I didn't have any collarbones. I had a hole in my head here and here in my sagittal suture, which is an open fontanelle directly to my brain. I had 45 teeth pulled out of my mouth.
0: 45? How many do we have in our head? I didn't think we had that many.
2: (laughs) A lot, a lot. And uh, I have hip dysplasia. Just to say a few things that are, are wrong with me, medical doctors say there's about 100 things that are wrong with me. With, Seriously? Yeah, and I'm one in a million in the case of the syndrome that I have. But I didn't really realize that I had an issue with me. It was until I got to school and I began to show kids what I was, what I was made of and what was wrong with me, and I'd show them things like putting my shoulders together. I'm going to show you what I do so you can see what, it, what it's like, but I can do this. <laughs> I know, and in that moment you had a feeling, you had something that you, you just saw. And the kids, they would identify me as weird, gross, strange. And I'd be getting all these labels that I began to identify as.
1: So in your family, you never felt different. You go to school and now you feel like you're the odd man out. That's
2: right, that's right. But my dad, with a love of sports, showed me baseball. And baseball is what I began to hide behind and it was like a warm cloak. And I changed my identification from gross not wa- wanted into someone that could play baseball. And I began to play baseball all the way through high school and it was something that I excelled at.
0: I, I noticed you've actually on that Louisville <laughs> Slugger, you've got your name on the bat. Yeah. Not everybody has that.
2: No, yeah, I had a friend <laughs> that made it for me. He went to uh, Kentucky to make it for me and that was very nice of him. But yeah, it's, it's uh, something that I excelled at and played all the way through high school and it opened up a new opportunity for me to go to college. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but a school called Columbia Union College, CUC, offered me a scholarship to play at the NCAA Division II level, where some elite athletes get to play at th- their perspective sports. So you were good? I was, I was pretty good. I, I, I don't like to say brag about myself, but yeah, I played at a pretty high level. Well, while I was at that school, I was exposed to something that changed my life forever. And that was uh, at this school, it was a Christian school, and they made you do some worships. And at these worships, you had, you got credit for it. Well, I didn't know what was going on. So I walked into the church, sat in the back where I normally sat, and I look up on the screen and it's this thing called Debt 98. And I thought, what in the world is that? And this guy, Dwight Nelson, he was up there and he began to tell a story. And I thought he was talking directly to me. I don't know if you've ever had that experience where you've been in a, in a crowd of people and somebody begins to speak, and it could be to anybody, but they're talking to you at your heart. That's the experience that I just felt. It was God. <laughs> and it was. I believe what it was. What was he
1: saying that uh, made you feel like this is for me?
2: I couldn't tell you everything that Dwight Nelson said, but what I locked onto was he said that you're beautifully and wonderfully made and that God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And it began to change my perspective on who I am and what I was born with. I began to see all this grossness that I began to hide. I didn't tell my family and my parents the things that people said to me. I kept that all in my heart and I I felt safe at home. But I always held on to that baggage, those labels, those things that people would say that were mean and hurtful towards me. And I began to see that Christ had a plan for me with this message that Dwight Nelson was saying. Well, at the end of this talk, I walked up front Well, there was an altar call, and I immediately get out of my seat and I get up and I walk straight to the front and these two pastors come right towards me. I think I was the only one at the front of this church. And when I get up there, they ask me, do you want to pray and do you want to get baptized? I said, absolutely, let's do this. So I get the opportunity to sign a little card, I walk out of the church up Flower Avenue, if you're familiar with Tacoma Parks campus, towards Morrison Hall. And I don't want to go into the boys dorm yet because I'm still chewing on everything that he's saying to me. I walk across the street into the commons area by Weiss's library and there's this little flower patch. And then it hit me. And I realized the plan that God has for me, that I am beautifully and wonderfully made and that I am perfect for his ministry. And I just fall to my knees and I begin to cry and bear my heart to the Lord. And Asked him to take all that baggage, all that pain, all that stuff that I was holding on to, and I gave it to him. And I pray that you get to have that same opportunity where you get to be real and raw with the Lord. Yeah.
0: But now, we probably, I've got to tell you, Janice is getting slightly older. I'm not saying, I'm, but maybe we ought to go sit down in the bleachers and hear the rest of your story. <laughs>
1: okay, let's do that. That'd be appropriate for me. I spent most of my softball career on the bench anyway, so <laughs>
0: I feel right at home. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Sounds good. Yeah, uh, appreciate you sharing, ma'am. Yeah, absolutely.
3: The great Catholic monk, Martin Luther, was so concerned with his salvation that when in Rome he climbed the holy stairs on his knees to earn salvation. But when he reached the top, God flashed a Bible verse before his mind, the just shall live by faith. That brings me to the title of a free pamphlet that I'd like to give you. It's called, Am I good enough? It's easy to get your copy. Go to TalkingDonkeyInternational.org and order offer 107. Am I good enough? It will be a comfort to you.
1: I have to admit, I will never get used to Tennessee humidity, but it's a little easier to take sitting down.
2: (laughs) This is true, this is very true. I don't
1: know how you live here.
2: Well, my parents moved here and we decided to come and, and live with my in-laws so we could be closer together.
0: Chet, we kind of left you in the garden. I want to hear the rest of that story.
2: Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I had just dedicated my life to the Lord and knew that I had a purpose for Him. But your identity is what you allow people to see. And I wasn't prepared for everybody to see what I was so raw and real with, with myself. And I continued to be dedicated to my game of baseball. And I played there at CUC for the rest of my time until I graduated and I was quite successful. I was the USCAA Player of the Week, which is the league that we lived, we played in. I was an All-American nominee. I wasn't the All-American, but I was nominated. So I was part of the top crowd in there. I was an MVP of my team multiple times and I was the captain as well. So I had a lot of success with baseball. But when I graduated, I didn't have a plan B, it was baseball all the way. And so when I continued to play some baseball, I had a tryout with a couple teams and it wasn't really going anywhere, and finally the Chicago Cubs gave me one last opportunity. And I was there trying out for their minor league team. I was there for five days and they came up to me and they said, look, you're not what we need, thank you for coming, I'll see you later. And that was devastating to me.
1: I was gonna say, what does that do to you when your whole focus is baseball and baseball doesn't come through? Yeah, with no plan B.
0: I got to tell you, he, he did come up with another plan. <laughs> he wrote a book about those experiences. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Was that was a little
1: bit of a shift
0: of focus. Yeah, a real shift, yeah.
2: Yeah, um, that book was something that came about about my life and some of my experiences that I go into throughout my life in the military. And it was an inspiration that was brought on by some of my students that I used to teach back in Milo at, in Oregon.
0: Chad, help me out. Military, with all of the things you listed, does wrong with you?
2: Yeah, so I don't make it into the baseball realm. I go into depression, I bounce around from job to job, not really sure where I'm going with my life. And I find myself homeless, living in a garage, outside of a worm factory, literally printed on the sign, worm factory. <laughs> and my brother calls me out of the blue. He says, Chad, what are you doing with your life? And I said, well, I'm thinking about investing in some worm poop. What do you think of that idea? <laughs> My brother, he laughed and he's like, yeah, you might be able to do that. But you ought to think about going into the military. You're still young. You've got a lot of energy. You've got a lot to offer. You ought to explore that opportunity. The Special Forces has some opportunities for bonuses, and they can pay you quite a bit of money. And I thought about that, I thought about that, and I get off the phone with him, telling him, well, I'm still thinking about the worm poop idea. <laughs> But uh, I let him go, and, and I said, you know what? This is not the end game for me. I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to get off the bench. And I'm going to go somewhere. And with that said, I, we need people in our lives that I consider swim buddies that are willing to call us out of the funk that we're in. And they, they recognize the potential that we have. Christ himself did the same thing to the woman at the well. And he said, when he called that woman who was a Samaritan, he said, you have more to offer. And if you're looking for the water of life. I'm right here. I have that potential for you." And she becomes the first gospel messenger telling people about Jesus Christ as she goes into Samaria. Well, my brother did the same thing for me. He said, Chad, go do something with your life. Get off the bench, get out of the the factory, the worm factory, and go do something. So I go and uh, enlist in the United States Navy, and I took four months off. I quit my job and began to train and invest my time and my effort into something that I was about to get myself into. I changed my diet. I changed my workout regimen. I began to consume my knowledge with the, the people that I'm gonna be around and the things that I'm gonna be doing to the point where I knew that I was ready to go in. Now there's another lesson there that we can't just jump into things that we just wanna do. You have to have a preparation time. You gotta pour your heart and soul into things and understand what you're getting yourself into before you jump in because you might fail not knowing what's ahead of you. So I go through the medical examination, which is called MEPS, and they just check you over to make sure that you're alive. passed? Yeah, so they just basically asked me, do you have anything that would keep you from doing your job? And I said, no, there's nothing (laughs) wrong with me that's gonna keep me from doing my job. I love that response. Yeah. And so uh, they passed me through the, the initial medical examination. Well, since I had a special warfare contract i had to go through a deeper medical examination when i got to chicago it's called the dive physical, and they do an x-ray of your body and they look inside you i pray that no one ever gets to look inside of you and see what's wrong with you but they did that to me and i got pulled out of the line of the guys that were going through to get their uh, medical examination and the lieutenant put me at the end of the line he said just sit here lamby and so i get through all the people they all go back to the barracks and the instructors came up to the, the, the doctor went to the instructors and said, hey, we're going to keep Lambie here. We need to talk with him. I knew something was up right then and there. And so um, he pulls me into the office and he says, Lamby, are you sure you want to go into the special forces? Is this something that you think you're going to be able to do? Absolutely, I've been working out. I've been dedicating my life. I've been putting forth a ton of effort so that I can go do this opportunity in the special warfare community. He said, well, are you aware that you don't have collarbones?
1: <laughs> yeah, Did yeah. you sit there and go, what?
2: <laughs> I'm, a, I'm aware yeah. I don't have collarbones, and, but it hasn't done anything to keep me from my goals. He said, well, wait here. I can't make this decision. I got to go get the commander. So he leaves the, the room, goes and gets the commander that's in charge of the medical facility, and he comes walking in with my medical record in his hands. He looks at me and he said, Chad, I see that you wanna be a special warfare operator. Are you sure you're gonna be able to do this? I said, sir, I've been training my body. I've met every standard that's been required of me so far. And I would just love the opportunity to get the the chance to try out. And I know that you have that capability. And he opens up my medical record and he goes to my physical readiness test scores. And he sees my push-ups, my sit-ups, my pull-ups, my swim and my run. He said, wow, you've got some outstanding numbers here. You've got elevated numbers. And I was in the top four percentile of the guys that I was going through with. And I just didn't leave anything to question. I had poured a ton of effort and a ton of time into, into preparation for this. And he said, I don't know if you're aware of this, but the military has a rule that they don't allow people in if they're missing a bone. But I'm gonna sign a waiver for you that allows you to go for your dream your goals that you want to be in the, ma- in the military. I said, thank you, I really appreciate that. And he signs it and they take some pictures of me, put my shoulders together <laughs> for their medical records wow. so that they, would, they knew what they were allowing to go through the doors. And I walked away and I understood, wow, if I didn't go through the preparation process, if I didn't pour my heart into this, then I could have left so much on the table. We have another story of that in the Bible with Moses. Moses had an opportunity to be a leader for the, the Israelite nation. He was called to save the Israelites and when he put the, the plan for God in his own hands, he ends up killing an Egyptian. He then has to go out into the wilderness for 40 years. And it takes 40 years of preparation before he's ready to do what God intended him to do. I pray no one has to go through 40 years of preparation. But there I was four months preparation and I'm meeting what I wanted to do. Well, that led to an opportunity to go to Special Warfare Combatant Crafts School in Coronado, California, San Diego. This is the Special Warfare community that I was trying out for. Well, when I got there, I was put on a slab, a concrete slab on hold because there was another class going through. There, couldn't, there wasn't enough room for us to get into there. So we were sitting there and we would work out and prepare for the opportunities to try out. Well, every Friday, they had a Prove Yourself Friday. And basically we'd do push-ups, pull-ups, but on this particular day, we were gonna do flutter kicks. Flutter kicks, you lay down in a horizontal position and your feet are six inches off the ground and they go up 18 inches and they go in intervals until your stomach is totally exhausted.
1: For me, (laughs) Two. What do
0: you think?
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I challenge anybody to do 100 of them and it would be uh, a, quite an achievement to be able to do 100 four count flutter kicks and four count basically means one two three one one two three two until you're exhausted well this particular day we had 30 guys lined up and we were starting this competition 30 guys get to 100 and we're down to five and five guys, we get to about 200, and it's just me and Mike Corvelli. We're just dropping off like flies. And Mike Corvelli and I are pushing each other along, encouraging each other, and he gets 250. Now let me remind you that 250 is the maximum that anybody had ever done while on hold, waiting. So it's it's quite an achievement just to get to 250. And he quits, he says, Lambie, get to 300, you got this. And I thought to myself, all right, no problem, let's keep going. And all of a sudden, all these guys heard what was going on, and they began to gather around and see me go through this pain and agony I was just putting myself through, for no reason, because I'd already won the competition. And they kept encouraging me and encouraging me. And one of them said, when I almost got to 300, like, oh, he's going to get 300, no problem. Lambie, you got to get 400. And I'm not (laughs) even focused on a number. I'm just going through the pain and just going through the focus and just being lifted up by the encouragement and camaraderie that's going on with my buddies around me. And they're pushing me and pushing me and I'm getting closer to 400 and finally one of them said lamb you need to get 500 and that's when it hit me I got laser focused on 500. And that's twice what anybody had ever done before. Yeah yeah it was something that was insurmountable it was something that wasn't even discussed like why would anybody go 500 four count flutter kicks it's just crazy but I got focused on this number and this is I'm in I'm in the fight I'm not gonna quit I'm gonna go for this number so I push myself and push myself and push myself till I get to 4.99, 500, and my body just quit. And the guys pick me up, and I go through this great, you know, congratulation from these guys, and they really made me feel good. But the real thing that I pulled away from that whole experience was when I was sitting by myself, and I was thinking about it. And I said, "Wow, what if I didn't put a limit on myself? Could I have achieved more?" Could I have kept going? If you weren't focused on 500? Yeah, I put a wall on myself, a limit on myself. And so once I hit that number, I just totally collapsed. I quit. It was like my body just gave up. And we definitely do that in our own walks in life. We just, we give up. We, we have these limitations that we give ourselves. And when we focus on what God has in our lives, He can see so much more potential that we have to offer. We always hold ourselves back from what we're totally able to, to achieve.
0: Now, Chad, we can't just leave you there. We've got to hear the rest of the story. and you got about three minutes. <laughs> okay, okay.
2: So we move on. We get through that perseverance and camaraderie, and I get an opportunity to class up. Now, I got a paddle over here that I want to grab, if that's all right.
0: We're going I, to see that in a minute, but I, I kind of want to hear, how did you end up? I mean, did you find God through all of this, or what happened?
1: Once you found him there in college, mm-hmm. did you hold on to him the whole time?
2: God was in my life all the way through. And I began to see glimmers of him as I'm going through the special forces. And I knew that I needed to put God in my life. And I began to go to church again. I had actually walked away from God when I hit my lowest point, And I wasn't going to church for a long time. And then little by little, I, I, as I came back into the military, I said, you know what, I need the Lord back in my life. And so I did go to church and I started to go around, be around the people that I needed, the encouragement, the camaraderie, the swim buddies, keeping me accountable for what I'm doing.
0: How many years did you spend in the military?
2: I was in there for six years. Six years. Six years, and I spent a lot of it in the um, Special Warfare Combat Craft Crewman um, team at Special Boat Team 22 in Mississippi.
0: What does that mean for, for all of us, really? I mean, what does that really mean?
2: Special Warfare Combat Craft Crewman is a brother in line with Navy SEALs. Everybody has heard of the Navy SEAL community, but most people haven't heard of special warfare combat craft crewmen. We are the boat insert extract platform for SEALs and other ranger battalions. And we give them safe passage in and out of harm's way. And so it's, it's, there's two special warfare communities, SEALs and SWCC, and everything else is special operations. So it's, it's an elite fighting force. There's about 700 of them in the United States Navy.
0: Now, six years, did you have any urge to go on any further? Do any more? I
2: did, but I met my wife. That'll and she that. changed my life. <laughs> she changed my life. And, and we decided that we, we didn't want to stay in the service. See, the problem was I got married when I was in the military. And I was away from my wife more than I was with her. And she was my now new swim buddy, helping me keep accountable and closer to the Lord. And we knew that I needed to get out in order to begin to be an influence for people in their lives. And so then uh, after six years, I turned in my my time slip and I I was able to get my DD-214, which is my exit paperwork, allowed me to get out of the United States military.
0: And since then, like I say, we've just got very few because we want to hear about your paddle, too. Yes, sir. But uh, quickly, you started a ministry.
2: Yeah, it's no excuses. And I wrote my book and it's helping people overcome adversity in their lives. And I'm willing to give them the formulas that I learned while I was in the Special Forces and life, going through the adversity that I went through, helping people realize that there is no limit, that there's so much more potential that we're leaving out there and we're not allowing God to work through us.
0: It's so amazing. I mean, I. mean, I look at you like almost a superman with what your body is and what you did in life. You know, it it's got to be all God, right?
2: To God be the glory. You know, I looked at what I was born with as a curse. And then it wasn't until God real, made me realize that there is potential for me and there is a purpose for me in my life that I transformed that curse into a ministry, into a, a positive experience for um, young people and all people alike. Well, we've got to hear about this paddle.
1: I know the baseball bat when he got out and he has a bat that I can understand because one thing I knew about him was he used to be a ball player or still is I shouldn't use the past tense but you know what I mean and then he had a bat uh, a paddle yep. I'm going is that a paddle I'm trying to figure out, is he carrying a paddle?
0: He is <laughs> let's go check out the paddle. All right.
3: <laughs> the great Catholic monk Martin Luther was so concerned with his salvation that when in Rome he climbed the holy stairs on his knees to earn salvation. But when he reached the top, God flashed a Bible verse before his mind, the just shall live by faith. That brings me to the title of a free pamphlet that I'd like to give you. It's called, Am I Good Enough? It's easy to get your copy. Go to TalkingDonkeyInternational.org and order offer 107, Am I Good Enough? It will.
0: Be a comfort to you. Hey everyone, Jim here for Talking Donkey International. You can rest assured that when you follow Talking Donkey, we're going to take you someplace in the world, not in a stuffy old studio. But if you missed one of our programs, although we broadcast all over the world, you can go right to our website, talkingdonkeyinternational.org, and check out some of our programs right there. And thank you so much for your support. Janeth, look at that paddle.
1: I saw it when he got out of the van. Beautiful.
2: Yeah, the paddle is very significant for us when we go through training, because it's something that we have to carry with us everywhere we go. It's what directs us and propels us when we're in our boats. But we have our names inscribed on it, and it's all uniform black. And whenever we would sit it down, we'd set it down on our equipment. And the instructor staff, if they didn't like what we were doing, they would come up and they couldn't reprimand us physically, they couldn't hit us. So they'd grab your paddle and they'd begin to beat it against a rock or a tree and it would begin to chip and gouge and create pot marks all over it. I can see that. Yeah, it would be not in the shape that it was intended for. And it was your job to pick up all the pieces, go home and get some wood putty and begin to put wood putty back into all the holes, the cracks and the imperfections. Then you had to sand down the paddle Till it was nice and smooth. Then you had to take paint and recover that whole paddle so that it was back to its original purpose, not just a hunk of wood. And this is hugely impactful in my walk in life because we all have cracks, we all have holes, we have divots all over us. And what are we filling those divots in with? What are we filling those cracks in with? People sometimes go to drugs, they go to pornography, they go to a lot of different things, but really what is most important is the Holy Spirit. To put the Holy Spirit in our lives and it begins to bond and it's not right away, it takes time. And once it adheres, then we need to, you're not done because you have pieces that are sticking up, you got to sand it down. We have to go through a a purification process, uh, a walking with Jesus process and begin to get it nice and smooth. And then finally, you get to have that final coat, so that it's back and you can't see the scars. And that's the character of Christ. Amen. And once uh-huh. you, you have the character of Christ on you, they no longer see your name on here, but it's Christian. And so when they see the intended purpose, they don't see Chad Lambie. They see Christian exuding the character of Christ that has been covered over with the character of God by Amen. the Holy
0: Spirit. Amen. Chad, I want to thank you today. It's incredible, your story. I, You know, it, it's like... I'm getting the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or <laughs> borrowing yours, I don't know. <laughs> Folks, I look at this, this incredible young man what God did in his life. You and I, I mean, I have no excuses. I I mean, there just can't be any excuses for not being in the kingdom, you know, because God will do whatever it takes to get you there. He did amazing things in this young man, and I wish you tremendous success in your ministry too. Thank 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 you so much, brother.
2: Praise God. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you for watching. Join us again for another exciting country wisdom.
1: See you next time.